0: you know, you you don't have to come to this church too often to figure out that along with faith and fellowship, we like to mix in a lot of opportunities to share food together. Whether it's the coffee hour after church or our monthly men's breakfast or the chili cook-off that's coming up, we like to eat, right? And, you know, sharing a meal is something that God's people have been doing ever since the beginning. You know, we saw that Last week, in our Old and in our New Testament reading, with God's design and His intention for how His people were to eat sacred meals together as a body of believers. And then we had a chance to look at how the Passover Seder was transformed by our Lord into His Last Supper. But what I want to talk to you about today is another kind of eating that the Bible talks about that you heard me mention to the kids, and that has to do with feeding on God's Word. Feeding on God's Word. Now, you know, when it comes to The Bible, we're familiar with words like read, study, meditate. But you might not be that accustomed to hearing someone say that we're going to eat when it comes to the scriptures. And talking about eating the Bible does sound a little strange. But the truth is that God has given us his word to be our spiritual food. And he tells us that all through scripture, like in Psalm 34, 8, it said, taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. Or from Psalm 19, it says, How sweet your words taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. Or I especially like this one, Jeremiah 15, 16, that says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. So, you know, although we may read with our eyes and study God's word with our mind, if we don't eat it like food, and if we don't get it inside of us, we're going to end up being spiritually hungry. And as a result start to grow weak in our Christian lives. And that's an idea, it's a subject that the Apostle Paul turns to as we're progressing uh, through our lectionary and a little further through his letter to the Corinthians. So I want to read you this little passage. Uh, anybody following along the lectionary? Okay, a couple. So this is 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 1. He writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ I had to feed you with milk not with meat because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready you still aren't ready but you know i like the the way that paul starts out there he starts out this chapter by saying and addressing his congregation as dear brothers and sisters because some of the things that he had written to them if you remember from our passage along have been pretty hard for them to hear, right? But he's trying to make it clear to them that he's not writing to tear them down, but in an effort to build them up and to show them exactly where they've gotten off track as these Corinthian believers struggle to sort out their newfound faith while they're trying to live in a city that was overtaken with corruption and idolatry that was starting to infect the church. And you know, in the last couple weeks, we've Seen as he stressed the necessity for real unity among believers to prevent that. And he basically tells them that anything, anything that might have divided or distinguished them in the world outside of the church was of absolutely no significance when they come together into the presence of Jesus Christ. And he wanted them to really get to the root of the issue and see that in most cases it was usually their intellectual pride that was firmly at the center of this spiritual division. And so, Paul urged the Corinthians to shift all of their focus from the outside world and put it on to Jesus, and only Jesus, and not his messengers or or any human leaders for that matter. And even though he doesn't demand that they resolve every single difference that existed between them, he did remind them of the all-important unity that bound them all together and that supersedes every difference of opinion. He wants them to know that the only way that that's ever going to happen The only way that will ever take place is by being filled with the Word of God. Because it's the only reliable dividing line between truth and error. It's the only one. And because what Paul had in mind here is, is more than just for the people to have a passing knowledge of Scripture, he picks up this analogy that we just read, and he compares the way the Corinthians are handling God's Word to on the one hand a young child that's only able to handle a sippy cup of milk, when in reality, they should have been grown enough in the spirit to be able to ask for a T-bone steak. But they weren't doing that. It kind of reminded me of, that first, of a first-century version of that Where's the Beef commercial. Right? You remember that commercial? Paul's saying, where's the beef? Where's, where's the meat in your study? And Paul says, when I see all the things that get you so upset and get you so worried and get you so divided over whose faction is right and has all the answers... It's easy for me to see that you're not even asking the right questions. You're not even asking the right questions. He says you should be past all of that by now. But that's not going to happen unless and until you long to not be just familiar with, but completely filled with the Word of God. And that's one of the things that makes this letter that Paul writes so relevant for us to look at, not only because it's a timeless lesson, but in my opinion, it's another exciting benchmark of how God is working in this church. Because I don't know how you see it from your vantage point. From mine, I see a group of people who are growing spiritually in God's word and who are always anxious for more. I see that in you. Not only during worship, but with the great interactions that we keep having with each other in Bible study and in Sunday school and that you're having in women's fellowship and that I I believe by faith is going to happen with the men's fellowship as we take these opportunities to not just fellowship with each other, but to actually feast on the Word of God. And you know, that idea of, of feasting is a good way for us to think about what we get together to do every week. That's what we're here to do. You know, you guys know I'm a fan of history, and one of my longtime favorite quotes, and I never thought about his name until just this minute, but the guy's name is Francis Bacon, so I guess it actually goes with today's message. And he, he, but this is, this is what he said. he said. He said, some books are to be tasted, others to be swallowed, and some few to be chewed and thoroughly digested. Right? English philosopher and statesman said, some books are to be tasted, some to be swallowed, and some few to be chewed and thoroughly digested. But you know, developing a taste for intentionally chewing on a text doesn't happen by accident. Because just like I was telling the kids, in, in the same way that you and I try to cultivate a taste for healthy foods in our kids and in our grandkids when they're first learning to eat. The love of God's word is a cultivated taste too. You can't just poke it around on your plate and you can't just nibble a few crumbs here and there and then think that you're getting the recommended daily allowance. It's not going to happen. But on the flip side, it's also not like saying, here's your vegetables. They're good for you. Go ahead and eat them. That's not how it's supposed to be because... The truth is, the more that you taste and see that the Lord is good, the more that you find of Him in His Word, then the more that you're going to want. The more and more that you're going to want, even if you might not recognize it when you first look at this book. It reminded me of a reminded me a little bit of when I made moose meat stew for the family a couple weeks back. Anybody had moose meat stew? Somebody help me out here couple people. Oh, my Canadians. Yes. So now remember, when, when I was growing up, I ate all different kinds of meat. So when some friends of mine offered to share some moose meat that they had preserved and brought back from up north, I just jumped at the idea. But now the, the rest of the family, to be honest, were a little hesitant. Maybe that's kind of an understatement. Anyway, right, right after the holidays, I, I took this meat and I made a really hearty stew out of it, right? And I bring it to the table, this big heaping bowl of stew. And even though it got some skeptical looks at first, before you know it, not only did everybody have seconds, which is right the way you know that somebody really liked it and they're not just humoring you, right? But we ate almost that whole pot of stew in one night, and I had planned on saving a little bit of it, but we ate it all down, the five of us. But it's kind of like that, you know, when you pick up the Bible, if you're not familiar with it yet. You pick it up and, and you look at this and you think, well, gosh, a lot of the names in here are strange, and... Depending on the translation you have, the language might be archaic. But if you're serious about giving it a try before long, you realize you can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of it. And then you're going to ask God to share more and more of it with you every day as you begin to realize just how hungry you really are. And that's a process. Sometimes that process won't happen overnight. And I want you to to see that a little bit. You can see that insight, that truth, that process kind of spelled out a little more clearly in our Old Testament lesson today that continues from the book of Exodus, when God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. Because if you've ever been in a Bible study class and taken the time to look at a map of the Middle East, you'd see that the nation of Israel began their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, taking what looks like a wrong turn. Okay, Because rather than take the the shorter coastal route to Canaan, God directed Israel southeast toward the Red Sea. And you think, well, what did they go that way for? But here, Here's how one writer described it. I, lo- I love this, this quote. He says, When God delivered Israel from Egypt, he did not take them on the fast track to the Promised Land, though he certainly could have done so. Though instead there was a circuitous route to take, a divinely appointed wandering, a divine stroll of betrothal, if you will, that God used in order to reveal himself to the Israelites. And he continues, he said, in their journey, God soured the waters in order to make them sweet once again. And he let stomachs growl so they would long for the bread of life that only he could provide. He let stomachs growl so that they would long for the bread of life that only he could provide. So with that in mind, I'm going to pick up our our lesson, Old Testament lesson in Exodus 16. This is what Moses writes. He said, and the whole community of Israel sent out For Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Zin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread that we wanted, and now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. But I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instructions. On the sixth day they'll gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Moses spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness, and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening you'll have meat to eat, and in the morning you'll have all the bread that you want, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. The next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is this, they asked each other. They had no idea what it was. Then Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as he needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. And then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what's left for tomorrow. So they put aside some until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And then Moses said, eat this food today. Eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. You see in the reading now, it only took, what, one month from the time they were set free from slavery in Egypt before the people started complaining. And somehow they had forgotten all about the bondage and the oppression they had been delivered from and all they wanted to do was gripe and bellyache about those pots filled with pagan delicacies that they had had to leave behind. But God comes along and says, "Now that all that garbage has worked its way out of your system, all that junk that you filled yourself up with has worked its way out of your body. I have something better for you, something even better, something that comes directly from Me. It's a miraculous bread that falls like rain from heaven, and not just for one day, and not just for two days, and not just on random occasions, but..." a perpetual supply. And God's intention was that each day the people should go and collect as much manna as they needed for that particular day. You know, those instructions are a great parallel for how God wants us to handle his word. He wants us to separate ourselves from all the worldly influences of our old lives and all that junk that we fill our brains with all the time and turn our appetites instead to the things that he wants to teach us. And he wants us to be ready to deliberately and actively go out and pick up his word. And he wants to make sure that we intentionally come together at least once a week to receive a double portion of it in honor of his holy Sabbath. In other words, we need a generous helping of the scriptures every day of the week, but we need a double dose on Sundays, right? I mean, think about it. We eat every day, don't we? Why do we do it? Because we're hungry. But you know, our, our spiritual self needs to be fed too. And we do that by chewing on the truths of God's Word that we find in this book. I mean, just imagine imagine for a minute if you only ate a meal on Sunday and then skipped all the rest of the week. Now that would take a lot of imagining for me to conjure up that image because I, I don't know that I can make it past uh, maybe one o'clock. But, I mean, th- you know, just think about that for a minute. Think about how you'd feel. If you only ate once a week, right? Your stomach would start to feel empty. Your blood sugar would get low. You'd start to feel really weak. But then Sunday would come back around again and you'd just stuff yourself. But by now, your body wouldn't be able to handle that influx of food because you'd been starving it all week. Your body really wouldn't know how to handle it. So you wouldn't be able to keep very much of it down, would you? Sounds crazy, but... You know, we never really do that with our bodies, our physical bodies. But if we're not careful, we do that with our spiritual selves. That sound familiar? right? People will come to church on Sunday, they'll get fed the word, and they'll leave all energized and ready to face the world, and then they don't feed their spirit during the week, and so they drift back into old patterns, and they drift into negative thoughts, and they get these unruly emotions. And then when they run into temptation, they start to get weaker and weaker as they try to fight against sin in their own strength. And they wonder why they feel so discouraged all the time. Why they're so depressed. But brothers and sisters, God wants you to have a different kind of life than that. That's not what he planned for us. He never intended for us to gorge on his word just once a week and then spend all the other days going hungry. We're to feed on his heavenly bread daily so that just like the food we need to feed our bodies, the things we need to sustain our physical life, we need God's word to give life to our spirit. And just like food is vital for these little ones or little babies to grow from infancy into adulthood, bread from heaven is vital for us to grow into spiritual maturity and enjoy all that God has for us. And he's he's given us that so that we can have a source of wisdom to know what to do with the choices that we want to make. And so that we can receive encouragement in our moments of doubt and in our moments of depression, and especially he gave it to us so that we can have a reason to hope in the future. You know, that's not just for new Christians, right? That's a lesson even for folks who feel like they have a really good handle on the Scripture and on God's Word. Maybe you've read the Bible through a couple, two or three times, but don't fool yourself into thinking you don't need to stay immersed in the Word. Don't let yourself think it's just like eating the same old thing day after day, right? Same old meal until you get tired of seeing it. because young couple that i read about that had this elderly grandfather who used to have a habit of kind of just showing up for dinner and sometimes it wasn't always very convenient for the family for him to drop by and they got a little tired of it honestly so they decided that since they they really did love the man and they really did enjoy his visits that they decided they'd ask him to pick particular times that they could plan on him dropping by sounds reasonable right The only trouble was that the husband and wife couldn't agree on which days they thought would be best for him to do that. So they got into an argument about it in the kitchen. Well, just about that time while they're still in the kitchen arguing and preparing dinner at the same time, guess who knocks on the front door? Grandpa, right? This little five-year-old grandson answers the door and he lets his grandfather in and the grandfather says, Hey, buddy, what's for supper? Little boy said, Oh, we're going to have goat, Papa. Papa goat the grandfather said go are you sure we're really gonna eat goat yep the little boy said i overheard dad say to mom well today is just as good as any for to have that old goat over for dinner <laughs> today is just as good a date as any other to have that old goat for dinner But whether you're a new Christian or a long-time convert, I don't want you to get weary in receiving that word. Right? Don't don't treat time in it like it's a chore or like it's a nuisance or like somebody told you you had to eat goat. It's a joy. right? Psalm 19 says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living reverence for the lord is pure lasting forever the laws of the lord are true each one is fair they're more desirable than gold even the finest gold they're sweeter than honey even honey dripping from the comb see what the bible says about itself something to be delighted in it's enjoyable it's a it's a blessing it's satisfying it's filling And if that hasn't been your experience with it, then I encourage you to ask God to give you a greater delight in him and in his word because he loves to answer prayers like that. Ask God to show you if you've been filling up your life with things that distract you from him instead. When you pray a prayer like that, you might find out that you've been spoiling your appetite for God's word, for the things of eternity with a lot of other stuff that's really just a big waste of time. So I encourage you to get alone before God and do that. And then if you really want to cultivate an enjoyment of God's Word, look for ways to keep it in front of you. Keep your Bible right by your chair, by the corner of the couch where you sit every day, right? That way it's, it's easy to pick it up and read at least a little chunk of Scripture every single day. Maybe just one psalm or just maybe the short letters of John. I mean, I put this, this chart in your, in your bulletin, right? Did you know that the average reader, not a speed reader, the average reader could read all three of the epistles of John in 20 minutes. You guys see this in your bulletin? 20 minutes. You could read First and Second Thessalonians in 19 minutes. You could read the whole book of Titus in 7 minutes. You could chomp down all of Philemon in 3 minutes. So what are we waiting for? And while you're reading, have a little piece of paper beside you and jot down a verse or two that spoke to you, that spoke to your heart, that encouraged you, and then stick that piece of paper on your coffee pot or your refrigerator or your telephone or the the bathroom mirror so that you see it. You see it during the day and you'll be reminded of that truth that God impressed on you and that God gave to your heart that morning. So you keep it in front of you. Jonathan Edwards said, we must endeavor to increase spiritual appetites by meditating on spiritual objects. So put those things in front of you and then don't just get used to having them as part of the background. Stop and think and meditate on the way and the word of God. Put them in front of you and don't just just think of them as art on the wall or a piece of junk paper. Think about them. Look at them. Meditate on them. But you you can't meditate on something that you don't already have in your thoughts to start with, can you? So I encourage you, pick this up. Read it and don't just read it. Reflect on it contemplate it, savor it. Try reading it out loud to yourself. It might seem weird at first, but try it. Because if you vocalize it, not just see it, then you're not just seeing it, but you're hearing it, and then you're really thinking about it, and you're filling up on it. Because the truth is, we're going to fill our hearts and minds with something, so we need to make sure that it's the Word of God. So That's my challenge to you for the rest of this year. Delight yourself. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And don't be satisfied with just a watered-down, milky version of it, or just grabbing a few crumbs here and there. Pick it up. Pick it up, crack it open, and ask God to give you a big slice of truth from the depths of his word. And if that ever really happens for you, I promise that you'll come back for a second helping. Can we pray together? God, our Father, I thank you that you have given us the life-giving truth of your word. I thank you, Father, that it is something that we can rely on as, as the ground of truth, the ground of existence. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us hearts and minds that just seek the inexhaustible, the riches of your word, that you would fill us with it, and you would not only fill our hearts and minds, Lord, but you would fill our mouths so we can go out into this community and share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone that we meet. In his name we pray, amen.